and welcome to The Climate Conversation, a podcast from the Environmental and Energy Study Institute. I'm Sydney O'Shaughnessy, and today, for Women's History Month, we have a special co-host joining us for our show. Hi everyone, I'm Anna. I am on the policy team at EESI, and really excited to be here today with Sydney um, to talk to one of our amazing board members about being a woman working in clean energy. Um, we're really excited to be amplifying and highlighting the amazing work of women during Women's History Month, and hopefully uh, people will have a chance to check out some of our other work in our articles and our briefings that also put forward the really important work that women are doing in climate, energy, and environment work from um, STEM to policy and beyond. Yeah, I think it's really important to highlight women's voices. I'm so excited Anna has joined me today to um, interview our guest, who is Linda Church Chiochi. She is one of our longest standing board members. We're very excited to jump into that interview, but we thought that having two women co-hosts would be perfect for this episode, and we really hope you enjoy it as well. So I guess we're just going to jump right in and get started. Our guest today is Linda Church Chiachi, as I mentioned earlier. She is the former president and CEO of the National Hydropower Association, where she represented the country's largest renewable energy resource before Congress, key national policymakers, and the media. She is an expert on energy issues and has advised other organizations, including the American Council on Renewable Energy, of which she is a founder and serves as a emeritus member of its board of directors. Linda was also named one of the 100 all-time most influential people in the global hydropower industry, the only woman ever chosen for this distinction. And most recently in 2019, she also received the industry's highest honor, the Dr. Kenneth Henwood Award at Water Power Week in Washington. She also, as we have mentioned, is a board member for ESI, and she is the first board member to appear on our show. Well, Linda, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We are literally so happy you're here. Well, I'm excited to be a part of this. This is wonderful. And to focus on women and the, um, the career path that women have in a very exciting industry, the clean energy industry, is, is really critically important. And uh, something that I certainly have a great deal of passion for. I've spent a lot of time in this industry and want to see more women enter it as well. I totally agree. So I guess we'll just jump right in to our very first question, which is what inspired you to pursue a career in clean energy? Well, I started um, my career back in the 1970s. So I've been around for a while. And at that time, um, and the environmental policy was really just starting to um, have a tremendous amount of interest. That's when we started passing a lot of our environmental laws. I worked at, for the time for local government and my specialty was really working with local communities and helping them move forward from an economic development standpoint. You can't get far in economic development without energy and water policy which was a great uh, cross-section for me in terms of where I ended up my career. I spent 18 years working for local governments, um, primarily in tax and economic development. I went from there then to American Public Power Association, uh, got more involved in energy, certain was introduced to hydropower. And so it was a perfect intersect for me uh, to think about how to move communities forward 
using clean energy and um, the importance of working in a very, very large community, the clean energy community. I left American Public Power and ended up being the CEO of the National Hydropower Association. And I spent 30 years as the CEO of NHA. Linda, thanks so much for joining us today. And as you've just shared with us, you've spent so much of your career working at the intersection of clean energy and policy. So I'm wondering if looking forward, what you um, see as the role of federal policy in shaping clean a clean energy driven future. Well, policy is absolutely critical and certainly clean energy is incredibly important for the future of our country. Uh, certainly today, when we look at the urgency of climate change and the need to develop policies to address it, uh, we need to move forward. We need to move forward far more aggressively and policy is the only way really to get there. I've seen where policy has really driven the clean energy community from the very, very beginning between tax policies and when the federal government um, was uh, reluctant in the tax policy area, certainly state policy in terms of RPS policy was critically important. It's what moved and drove the, the solar and wind energies industries forward uh, in those early days and continues to be important. Tax policy obviously is important as well. So I would say federal and tax policy is critical in us addressing a lot of the um, needs to, to move these industries forward. They can't go move forward on their own. Where I've seen, um, I would say a shortfall certainly has been that these policies have been start and stop. They've been uh, politically driven in a way that has been harmful, I think, for us in making the real progress that we need to make. Uh, certainly we've seen that in tax policy um, but as the government moves forward, federal policy is going to be critical with this new Congress and looking at tax policy, certainly, and as well as a clean energy standard that would drive these industries, as well as being not only consistent and making sure that we're making a long-term investment, we're not stopping and starting, but also we're even-handed. And that's another area where I have seen for policies, we pick the flavor of the month and decided this is the type of technology we want to further versus this type of technology. We can't do that. As a nation, we need to move forward. We need to lift all of these clean technologies up together and really drive in order to meet the urgency of addressing climate change today. If we don't do that, our country will, will fail in meeting the targets that we need to meet. Yeah, and I think definitely having federal leadership on those spearheading those policies will be really important as well. Absolutely critical. Um, but shifting gears a little bit from policy, as I understand, when you started in the field, you were one of the first women in the hydropower industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? I was one of the first women, certainly in a senior level position, uh, but I also was one of the first women in a senior level position in the Clean Energy Trade Association uh, world. Um, and it remained that way until uh, Denise Bodie was hired by the Wind Association. So for more than a decade, I was the only woman. Now today you have Abby at SIA, you have Heather uh, who has uh, taken over the uh, organization that uh, was born out of AWEA that is now a clean energy group. And so it's really important to see these uh, women take the, on these leadership roles. I was often, 
in the early days, the only woman in the room here in policy in terms of working in big large coalition meetings, as well as in my own industry, sitting there at my board. Uh, one of the very, very few women in my boardroom. Um, and it's, it's it was tough, obviously, in those days. Uh, today, we're still um, heavily male dominated. 68% of my industry is male. Um, very, very few women are in senior leadership positions. Uh, it's hard uh, to uh, get the type of attention uh, to get men to listen. They don't necessarily always like to see a woman leader. Um, but I think it's hard on both sides in the fact that you really, it really rests on communication, learning how to communicate. Women leaders back in my day could not be too aggressive. If you were too aggressive, you weren't listened to. You had to find the right balance between um, communicating your ideas in a way where you exerted leadership, but at the same time did not seem to be too aggressive in the way you were communicating. So um, there were a lot of lessons learned over the years, certainly in trying to be an effective leader uh, as well as being a mentor and trying to help other women come into the field. So what was one of the um, biggest lessons you learned as a female leader in the industry? Communication certainly is critical, learning how to communicate. Um, it is very, very hard for uh, men to uh, listen in a way that, or, or, or that you would, you're, you're, what you're saying was really resonate, resonating with them. I mean, I've sat in rooms and said, watch women say, uh, offer an idea. Uh, a, a solution of a specific problem we were discussing and be totally ignored. And then a man would say something very similar, but in perhaps a different way, taking, choosing different language. And it was the brightest idea in the room, but it was the same idea. And so I think it goes again back to the whole idea of learning how to communicate in a way that you can gain respect um, and that you can um, certainly uh, communicate in a way that resonates with the folks in the room. And that's, that's a hard lesson to learn. Um, can't take it personal, <laughs> obviously, uh, but it is something uh, that uh, is key to ultimate success, I think. I think so. And I think, unfortunately, it's, it's similar today as well. Um, so communication is definitely critical, even, even today for women in leadership positions. I Absolutely. Feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think women need to be more better mentors than they have been too. I can look back at my career. I don't, I don't remember a single woman mentor as I was climbing a ladder over the years of my career. Um, I did have several women board members over the years that were very, very helpful to me. But most of the mentors I have had throughout my entire career have been men. Women really need to do a better job, I think, in helping other women. I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit more. Like, what do you see as maybe opportunities going forward for women to mentor women in the clean energy field? And, you know, what do you think are the most important challenges to highlight um, for women that are entering the field? And what are the real opportunities that um, mentors could share? Well, there's great opportunity in this industry because the industries are growing so significantly and are uh, offering a lot of opportunity in employment. Um, my industry alone, about uh, I think it's 25% of my industry will are 20 are 55 years or older, 
uh, we're aging as an industry and our workforce. And so there's a lot of opportunity just in the hydro industry. But if you look across the board in all the energy industries, the statistics in terms of women uh, employment is, is terrible. We need to do better. We need to bring more women into the field. So there's lots of opportunity across the board. Um, I think in terms of the challenges, um, women need to, as I said, mentor better than uh, what we have done. Um, uh, we have to network better. Networking is critically important. So I would say for women, you need to get, get into involved with organizations, uh, other, lots of great organizations like Women in Energy and others that will help women mentor and be a part of a, a large networking uh, community to help one another. Um, and I, I think, again, it goes back to um, when you get into the field communication and, and, and understanding also, I think when I look back at my career, one of the, um, the greatest challenges is, is, work, is a work balance, home life balance. Um, it is very, very hard for women to find that right balance. Uh, I think it's harder for women than men. There's certainly a lot more expectation on women um, on both sides in terms of what the employers expect and what the, you know, you or own families expect in terms of balancing that. If I look back at my career and one of the hardest things that I had to do was give up a lot of my personal and home life. Um, it was a huge challenge for me, but it was something that I had to do in order to be respected within a man's world that I couldn't run home and you know, take my kid to the doctor because they were sick or whatever. <laughs> and it's tough. It's tough. It's not the same today. And I, I, I think that one of the greatest things that I have seen over time is I have watched different women move through uh, this career, their careers, whether it be in this field or others. But there, there is a lot more flexibility that's offered for women today than was offered back then. And that's a good thing. And so what I see is evolving policies and evolving opportunities uh, that will really ensure that women can enter into the field and can do extremely well meeting um, their challenges and actually uh, making one amazing career for themselves where they're making a huge contribution. And I think that's what women, a lot of women want. They want to make a contribution. And this is an industry where you can certainly do that. Wow, that was such great insight. Um, I love I love the idea of like women supporting women and, and creating opportunities for each other, you know, um, to build up the careers. Because um, it's, it's sometimes, I think, nerve-wracking to go into a career that's heavily male-dominated. I think sometimes, I know myself, I'm often hesitant to go to networking uh, events because I just don't know really what to expect. Um, but what advice would you give other women who are looking to start a career in the hydropower or clean energy industries for people who maybe like me, who are a little hesitant to join those networking things, who've really never really had a strong, you know, female mentor in this industry, what advice would you give? First, don't be um, hesitant or, or uh, fearful or concerned uh, because you really don't need to be. Um, women have tremendous contributions they can make and you can't cut yourself short of what you bring to the table. 
Uh, so that's number one. Um, be confident in yourself and know what you're bringing to the table is important and that it's wanted. I think that a lot of women may feel, well, it's a man's world and they really don't um, want to open the door. That's not true today. Um, I think it may have been true 20, 30 years ago when I was starting out. But today, when you look at the statistics, they're, they're horrible. And all the industries realize that. I mean, the whole issue of diversity within our industries is critical. Gender diversity and diversity within terms of minority groups. And we're seeing far more interest today in looking for programs. We do a program at the Hydro Power Foundation called Hiring for Hydro. We have scholarships for women to bring more women into the industry. There's more and more of the interest today in, in ensuring that those programs are successful and they're bringing women forward. Do we have enough women in the boardrooms today? Not yet. Um, but there's certainly a real interest, I think, in all the industries to see more women engagement, to really find that bright young woman who really wants to build a career and stay with companies. So again, don't cut yourself short. You know, the men on the other side want, want you. Um, they really do want to see your progress and your success. And I think that women just need to understand that um, there really is opportunity and that to have um, a willingness uh, in terms of both women and men within these industries to help you along. So do that networking, um, attend those events and recognize that you bring something to the table that's critically important. And remember also our industries are aging. <laughs> so we are looking for these individuals to come in, men and women, to uh, fill the spots that um, older folks like me are now leaving. So again, don't cut yourself short, get out there, go for it. There's a lot of opportunity. Linda, you mentioned um, women in boardrooms and you are in fact, a longstanding member of EESI's board. Um, so we wanted to ask you if you could share why you're so passionate about EESI's work and if you could reflect on how you see the organization's role um, during this critical juncture for climate policy. Sure. Um, as I said, I started my career many, many years ago, back in, you know, over 30 years ago. And I can remember when I was working, even before I um, went to work with the Hyde Power Association, EESI's work um, is critically important back then. Uh, the um, information that EEI put out was the true kind of Bible in a sense of information on specific issues of import at the time, whether it be environment or energy issues, you could always count on EEI to give you the kind of information you needed so that you were well-informed, you saw all the various options and you had an idea of, of, of the problem and the solutions. And it was non-political, um, so that you really could trust that information. And that hasn't changed. That role is uh, that EEI paid back from the old green sheet days, as we all call them, to what you do today between your podcast and your various workshops and information that you provide um, is, is absolutely important for people to understand the full breadth of the issues, to see here all the parties that are involved within those issues, what the potential solutions and options are so that policy elite and Congress have an idea of where they need to go. That role is critical in terms of moving policy forward, 
in terms of addressing critically important problems, certainly in terms of addressing the urgency of climate change uh, policy today. So I'm passionate to be on the ESI board because of the critical role the ESI has played over these years in terms of both energy and environment. You've really been, I would say, the compass for the, uh, the entire country in terms of policy and how we set policy and move forward and find solutions to address critical needs. And I think the second reason why I really love being on the board and working with all the great people that are involved from, from the staff to the board members, to the various groups and, uh, that we work with over time um, is that it also focuses on evolving issues that are critically important for our industry. You're always, you're most often the first to point out some of the most critical involving issues that are coming forward. And I think that's true now when we look at diversity issues. And I am proud of the work the board is now doing in terms of focusing on the critical issue of, of diversity, equity, inclusion. It's a, such an important part of policy that we often forget. We get focused on, we gotta move this energy policy forward or this environmental policy forward. But we don't look necessarily at the communities that we serve the diversity within that community and making sure we reflect that diversity ourselves. And that's something really that I think is exciting right now that we're working on. So I, when I look back at all the years that I've been involved with the EESI, I think it has been that leadership role that the EESI has always played and always offering ideas, options, and, and drive. It's been consistent and focused when often the country's gone off on different course or tangents, EEI has always been kind of that North Star on critical environmental and energy policy. And that's why I've been passionate about supporting the organization from the very beginning until all these years as I've moved through my career. Well, hopefully everyone on staff listens to that to be re-inspired for their, <laughs> for our work, because um, I think you give a lot of really good reasons um, why uh, the the role that ESI plays is so critical in our current um, current policymaking environment. Great, great. Well, so, that was the end of our questions. I hope that helped you and that he answered them and they were okay. I think so. I just want to say thank you so much for being the, for, the first board member to come on our show and to really talk about your experience as a woman in the industry. Like it's, it's really inspiring and I'm really glad we got to talk to you. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Anytime. And, and um, I didn't mention, but you might want to build in. There are me mentorship programs obviously out there um, and if they should look at each of the trade associations and see what they offer and their industries offer. We have a women in hydro group that was started oh, about four or five years ago. And we create, we actually have a matching mentorship program for women coming into our industry. Um, I've served as a mentor to several people over the years and we have great, great women in the industry that are working. And one of the other things that is men are now coming in as mentors within that program as well. So we've mentored, oh gosh, um, Program's probably been about really the mentorship program about three years now. Well, we've probably mentored well over two, three hundred women 
So look for those opportunities within the various industries because a lot of our organizations now are creating them or the industries are creating them. And I've watched women move forward in their own companies and from their own companies to become senior officials in other organizations as a result of that mentorship program. So that's awesome. We, we so, definitely need, to think about. Yeah, we definitely need women's voices in leadership positions, you know. Absolutely. Linda, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. It was wonderful to hear about your experiences working in the clean energy industry and how you have gone about your work as a woman in clean energy. Um, we are, it's just really inspiring to hear your story and we um, look forward to talking with you again soon. And remember, if you want to learn more about EESI's work, head to our website at eesi.org. Also, follow us on social media at EESI online for all of our recent updates. The Climate Conversation is published as a supplement to our bi-weekly newsletter, Climate Change Solutions. Go to eesi.org slash sign up to subscribe. And if you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Thanks for joining us and see you next time.